For gracious Lord, as we come now to hear the proclamation of your word, first through Holy Scripture and then in sermon, I pray that you might equip us to see with fresh eyes, to once again actively listen and critically think. So by the power of your Holy Spirit, we can grow in our capacity to radically love as we've been loved. So bless now, O Lord, the reading of this Holy Scripture. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Our scripture lesson today comes from Paul's letter to the Romans, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a person's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let her serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let her encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let her govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Did any of y'all make any New Year's resolutions this year? How are those working out for you? You know, I resolved a long time ago not to make New Year's resolutions because I never keep them. Inevitably, whatever resolution I set out to do, I only fail at once before the guilt sets in and then I just quit. Because my thinking becomes completely black and white, all or nothing. So I just return to whatever behavior in which I was engaging with before, but this time I do it with gusto because I failed, so why not? And I think, I just didn't have enough willpower. I think many Christians look at the season of Lent as New Year's resolutions 2.0. Perhaps they're giving up wine or sweets or meat. Someone told me they're going to be giving up their pastor for Lent. Christians often view Lent as an opportunity to change a behavior about ourselves. We do so in the name of Jesus, as though the Lord is a magic genie who helps us fix the things we don't like about ourselves when we bargain or trade with him. I'll do this for you, Lord, and do this for me. And if perhaps one of us does happen to be successful in giving something up for 40 days, once Easter arrives, the behavior is resumed. Right. And much like the New Year's resolution, our Lenten resolutions often fail. And if and when they do, we will say, 
I just didn't have enough willpower. Quite often we decide to change something about ourselves without asking the deeper question. And because we don't ask the deeper question, we are unable to effect lasting change. And the deeper question is this. What are you seeking? What are you seeking? Are you seeking to lose weight, feel great, and all that other stuff? Are you seeking maximum change for minimum work? If you're a Christian, you would probably say that you are seeking to live a better life or to be more godly or to live in a manner that pleases God. Even then, though, what you are seeking is to be better behaved so that you might please God and therefore be worthy of the salvation he's given you through Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, that's what's known as works righteousness, as though we can actually earn God's favor through our behavior. Seeking to change behaviors and habits to better honor God is well-meaning, but it's not going to offer us lasting change, one that is deeply desired, I believe, in each one of us. We might do and say all the right things, but inwardly there's something missing, something deeper, like contentment, peace, finding joy in something every day. I think what we are seeking is transformation. But transformation doesn't come through willpower. We can't change anything about ourselves through willpower. According to the author James Bryan Smith, the will is neither weak nor strong. Like a horse, it has only one task, to do what the rider tells it to do. The mind influenced by the body and the social realm. Therefore, change, or the lack of change, is not an issue of will at all. Change happens when the mind and the body and the social realm are modified. So how do we seek transformation if we cannot will it to take place? I'm so glad you asked. Transformation begins when we renovate our minds. When we renovate our minds. In our scripture lesson today, the Apostle Paul writes, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, transformation takes place first up here in our brains. The word Paul uses for renew is also translated as renovate. And I like renovate better than renew. Because it's really easy to renew a magazine subscription or something like that, right? But renovating something, y'all renovating something is hard. It's a whole lot more difficult. And I think that's actually a really good thing because renovations can take a very long time. And that gives us permission to be gracious with ourselves as we work through this process of life with Jesus. When we renovate our minds, we consider all the thoughts that our minds dwell upon. What are the stories? What are those narratives from your life that define who you are and how you operate? What is your understanding of God and the God that Jesus has revealed? Are our narratives about God correct? Is God a good God? Is he a bad God? Can you trust God? Is God loving? 
How is what we are thinking affecting how we are feeling and then behaving? Because, friends, listen, our feelings should not be controlling us. Our thoughts should control our feelings, not the other way around. Transformation begins when we renovate our minds to be in alignment with the person and work of Jesus Christ. And thanks be to God that we do not do this alone. For by grace through faith we have the Holy Spirit inside of us and the Holy Spirit in our brothers and our sisters who are there to challenge our minds. And in this manner we can renovate by thinking less according to the pattern of this world and more according to the pattern of Jesus. Again, Paul says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renovation of your mind. Now, I'm especially fond of that word transformed. Not because I grew up in the 70s and 80s when Transformers came out. And you probably don't even know what that toy is. I can see some of you looking at it. Robots, you know, turned into cars and cars into robots and made this sound. (laughs) That's not in the manuscript. I just threw that in there because it's midday. You're welcome. I like that word, transformed. In the Greek, it's the word um, where we get metamorphosis from, metamorphuo. When I think of a metamorphosis, I think of a caterpillar becoming a butterfly or a tadpole becoming a frog. Both the frog and the butterfly are creatures that started as one thing and become entirely different during their lifespans. Yet both are still the same material, just different forms. I think that's a mystery always worth pondering. Paul's encouragement to transformation is rooted in the spiritual act of worshiping Jesus Christ. Transformation for the Christian begins with new birth through the Holy Spirit and it continues as we participate with the Holy Spirit in the renovation of our minds. Indeed, Jesus doesn't just want one part of us to worship him, though, but the whole of our spirit-infused body and soul. That's why Paul writes, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but undergo a metamorphosis by renovating your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good and pleasing and perfect will. Ash Wednesday is an opportunity to be reminded of the metamorphosis that is taking place within us as we renovate our minds with Jesus. The transformation begins in this life, but it's not fully realized. It's not fully realized until we are on the other side of death. The ashes of this day remind us of our humanity in the presence of God's divinity. We are all dust. We are all matter. We are all comprised of the same material that God created from nothing. One day, our matter in human form will return to being matter in dirt form. Ash Wednesday is our opportunity to be reminded that to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's an opportunity to reconnect our story and God's story and to reconsider whether we have adopted false narratives about ourselves or God that have maybe become barriers in our own metamorphosis. We have gathered once again 
to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, for this is our act of spiritual worship. Therefore, brothers and sisters, I offer you this invitation to the observance of Lent. The early Christians, with great devotion, the days of our Lord's passion and resurrection, and it became the custom of the church that before Easter celebration, there should be a 40-day season of spiritual preparation. During the season, converts to the faith were prepared for holy baptism. It was also a time when persons who had committed serious sins and had separated themselves from the community of faith were reconciled by penitence and forgiveness and restored to participation in the life of the church. In this way, the whole congregation was reminded of the mercy and the forgiveness proclaimed in the gospel of Jesus Christ and the need that we all have to renovate our faith. I invite you, therefore, in the name of Jesus Christ, to observe the Holy Lent by self-examination and repentance, by prayer and fasting and self-denial, and by reading and meditating upon God's Holy Scripture to make a right beginning of repentance and as a mark of our moral nature to pause and to kneel and to bow our hearts and our minds before our Creator in silent prayer.